All right, Wrestling With Theology fans, this is Pastor Doug Minton. We are digging deeper this week into Revelation chapter 1, verses 14 to 16, part 2 of the description of Jesus, the Son of Man, standing among the midst of the seven golden lampstands. And we get into a lot of detail here and a lot of floating back to the Old Testament to see where we have seen these things before. So let's look at verses 14 to 16 real quick. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like the flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. All right. In the ancient world, white hair especially white, not just gray, but white hair was considered a sign of infinite wisdom, that you would live long enough that you had virtually a limitless supply of wisdom for the people who were around you. And so when the hair of Jesus' head is called white, white like wool, like snow, we're talking really, really white here as God says in Leviticus 19.32, You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. This reverence and respect given to the elders because they have lived a long life is what is important there. Again, uh, Proverbs, Solomon says, Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. And the glory of young men is their strength. But the splendor of old men is their gray hair. So Solomon says in these Proverbs that we have in different times the great crown of glory that dominates that age. Very much like we have talked about the different points in time and life and the different types of temptations in the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer. We have these things because we need to know these things. And so the older people are there to give us that wisdom, to give us that knowledge that we have not acquired yet because we have not lived that long. And so Daniel, as we get into a couple of the quotes from Daniel, we have Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 through 14. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So the Ancient of Days, of course, is God the Father. 
and then the Son of Man. Here we have Daniel seeing a picture of the ascension into heaven. The same picture we will see in Revelation chapter 4, that Jesus is coming and being presented as the one who has overcome. In Daniel, it is as a military political figure given a dominion and glory in a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. In Revelation, it is the lamb who was slain that receives all the glory and honor and praise. Now we get to the eyes like fire. And this starts off in Daniel 7 with the fire that went out before the Ancient of Days on his throne. But also goes back to Exodus 19, as God commands Moses to consecrate the people before they receive the law, before he goes up to the mountain again to receive the law. And we have all of it where then at the end, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole tr mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. We have in Isaiah 6, Isaiah being called by God as a prophet. In the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken from, with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Here we have the fire from the altar in heaven being placed upon the lips of Isaiah, going before God to proclaim his word. Again, with the idea of proclamation, Malachi chapter 3. Behold, I sent my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord who you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? He is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. There is this, again, cleansing, refining by fire, not only of gold and silver, but of our very lives, the lives of the sons of Levi. In Malachi 4, he says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant, all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts. So that will leave nothing, neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, 
for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Here we have this blending of images in this description as we have the eyes like fire and then going on in a moment to talk about the face that shone with like the sun in full strength. Here, the sun of righteousness rising upon us with healing in his wings. And going back to Exodus 19 and that horrible sight at the top of Mount Sinai, the writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 12, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. Even if a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, and heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels and festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This is the great testimony of the Son of Man, that... What was there and given in the law at Sinai and the terrors and fearfulness of all of it, you can come to now and not be afraid, not be worried about being stoned, but being able to rejoice because here your king has given you everything you need. Here, that firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all, and the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, whose sprinkled blood speaks a better word than Abel. Because Abel's blood cried out for revenge, Jesus' blood cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When we get to verse 15, and we talk about Jesus' feet like burnished bronze, Feet were a sign of victory. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 27, For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. Where is everything put in subjection to Jesus? Under his feet. Very much like David says in Psalm 110, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power, in holy garments. From the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth will be yours. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute justice among judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That is the promise that the Son of Man was given by the Father, by the Ancient of Days, which is why then glory and dominion were given to him. Now, when we get to burnished bronze of the feet, here we go back to Daniel. 
and not only the appearance of the Son of Man in Daniel chapter 10, but going back to Daniel chapter 2 and the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. The head of this image was a fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As the imagery goes in Daniel chapter 2, Babylon is the great golden head. And every empire that comes after is just a little bit less until you get to the feet of the statue, the Roman Empire, that then is partly of iron, partly of clay, because they have their part, but then they also mingle in what came before. And then in Daniel chapter 10, verse 6, seeing the Son of Man, he says, his body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like gleam like the burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. Doesn't that sound exactly like verses 14 to 16 here? Everything that we have in John, he received from Daniel. This is how he is explaining this, because Daniel could only come up with this. That was all he could do to describe in our terms what this would look like. So John, in the same way, using Daniel's words in the same way. So now we get to verse 16. In his right hand, he held the seven stars. The right hand is the hand of power. But it is also that hand that shows what is truly held in those seven stars. Isaiah 49, 16. A passage I enjoy reading to my shut-ins, especially those who are feeling rather alone because they have not had visitors in a while or there's family drama or what have you with the ways things of this world happen. But Isaiah 49, 16. Behold, I have engraved you in the palms of my hand. Those hands that were nailed to the cross, those nails, what's engraved? Our sins, nailed to the cross, put into those spikes in his hands that nailed him to the cross, that he died to forgive. Where are the seven churches? In the palms of his hands, their sins, their good deeds. All of the things that make them them are there in the palm of his hand. And especially in his right hand, the hand of power, the hand of the kingdom of glory. Now his face shone like the sun, shining in full strength. We go to Isaiah 63, very, very familiar verses. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen in you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Then also, think of the transfiguration, that Jesus' face became dazzling, shining like the sun. 
Where do we get this idea? Psalm 84, 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And again, Malachi 4, 2. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. And why would God want to do all this? Because this is the way he has always done it. Go back to number six. The the ironic benediction. The words that God says to put on the people of Israel to Moses and his sons. Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, to bless you, to show you the way. And how does he show us that way? The two-edged sword that comes out of his mouth. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The word of God is that two-edged sword that comes out from the mouth of the Son of Man. Why? Because it is he who spoke it in the first place. He told his disciples in Matthew 10, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. That sword being the sword of the Spirit, the word of God. When we think of the word of God, we understand that it divides. We see this all the time. What is it that is the major issue between denominations? How we accept the word of God. It can be as stark as whether the Bible is the word of God, inerrant, without errors, inspired by the Holy Spirit, or the Bible simply has the word of God and we have to figure out what that word is. Down to, okay, does baptism save you or not? Can the pastor stand before you and forgive you all your sins in the stead and by the command of his Lord Jesus Christ? What do all these things mean? That is what divides us. That is the sword that Jesus brought. The division between believer and unbeliever. The division between the orthodox the heterodox, and the heretical. All these things are why we do podcasts like this, why we have Bible studies, so that we can be better equipped, so that we can wrestle with this, because it is the word that divides. As Hebrews 4 said again, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. That is what most of the Sermon on the Mount is about, is Jesus speaking the word of God. Not just saying the outward action is there, like we said last week, but that it is the intentions and thoughts of the heart that spur on the physical actions, that even those thoughts and inclinations are evil. 
That is what we wrestle with in this life. That is the biggest thing that we wrestle with personally is the fact that we fall short of what God says in his word, that we don't uphold it all the time. And in the end, it is his word that judges us. When the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man are standing there and the books are opened, what's in the books? Your life and mine and the lives of everybody else who has ever lived on the face of the earth. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And then as we'll see at the end of Revelation, there is another book, the Lamb's Book of Life. And those who are written in that book receive the joys of heaven. That is is why we wrestle with theology. That is why we dig deeper into the scriptures. And that is why I thank you for being here, for being with me as I dig deeper into Revelation. And I pray that it is a blessing to you. Amen.